So here we are, a week after Easter. We still have the fragrant-filled lilies wafting the bright tulips and echoes of brass fanfare in our ears. We have the promise of everlasting life renewed. But this was not exactly the case for what was happening with Jesus' friends after the, re- after the resurrection. They were grieving and fearing for their lives. The disciples were scared and hunkered down, hiding while traveling to Galilee. They were fearful of the Jews who felt betrayed and the Romans who were friends to no one. Their alliance with Jesus was threatening to their well-being and to their lives. So in introducing today's scripture, I would like to read to you the scripture that comes before it. Because in the retelling of this story, we need to understand the first days of Christianity that were not even known as such. We are watching it evolve with fears and doubts at the very genesis. Mary was weeping outside of the tomb. As she wept and bent over to look into the tomb, she saw two angels sitting in white, one where the body was, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken my Lord away and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary! Rabbeni, Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have yet to ascend to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Then Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them the things that he had told her to tell them. Reading from the Gospel of John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, 
and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Please pray with me. Gracious God of all, these words are lifted to you with the intentions to connect and love, despite our errant ways. May our thoughts and meditations honor you and who we hope to become. Amen. The cross. It's our symbol of Christianity that tells a complex story, simply. It's simply two planes intersecting, one stake anchored in the ground, rising and stretching to the heavens, the other a crossbar reaching wide as an open embrace. We have just walked through the passion story that we think ends at the cross, but then begins again. It encompasses the full breadth of emotions, betrayal, denial, injustice, disbelief, but also love, acceptance, peace, and hope. So often we want to ride in the light of hope and love in our faith without looking at the shadow side. The beauty of Holy Week is that we honor the darkness of Jesus' journey and then arrive at the light and the glory of Easter. Light is taken for granted without darkness. The passion story parallels and mirrors the rhythms of our own lives, the highs and the lows, the fellowship and the isolation, the doubts and the faith. When life arrives, we too find ourselves in dark places of despair, waiting for the light to break. And in those dark days, we doubt if the, if the light will ever become the dawn. Today is a day for championing doubt from the pulpit. Is that what you would expect to hear? I doubt it. This sermon, the writing of this sermon, was an exercise in doubting my ability to concentrate given my engagement elation. <laughs> but we're going to embrace the doubt. It worked for Thomas. So permission granted, doubt. We're going to embrace it as a component of faith 
validated as both biblical and divine. If I ask for a show of hands as to who has doubted their faith at some point, I'm fairly certain we would all be in good company. Likely why we ended up at the UCC. (laughs) But it doesn't mean that we haven't internalized a certain amount of shame for that doubt. We judge and have been judged, label and have been labeled as doubting Thomases being shamed as ye of little faith. But shame on them for labeling and shame on us for shaming the doubters. We have doubt because we're human. We also have doubt because we have spent time thinking about our faith. We are not blindly led. We have been discerning and we have been challenged with experiences If you haven't had doubts and questions, then I'm not sure you've been paying attention. Be assured, God is vast enough to handle any of your questions, doubts, and fears, while simultaneously building your faith. Of this, I am certain. Jesus himself, the Son of God, likely had some doubts about the 12 disciples who often couldn't get it right. Our Gospels are filled with story after story of Jesus teaching the disciples what faith could look like. There were several occasions when they didn't get it right. Jesus asked them to stay awake and stand watch. Oops, heavy eyelids prevailed. Go out and heal, only to hear, sorry teacher, it didn't work. Peter, you can walk on water. But he didn't. Glug, glug, glug. You know there were times when Jesus was shaking his head, saying, Sweet Mary and Joseph, somebody help me with these guys. But alas, Jesus kept meeting them where they were, as great teachers do with their students. He understood who they were, and who they would grow to be, just as God does with us. On a more solemn note, I offer you the doubt that Christ experienced, only breaths away from death, of beaten torso, nailed hands and feet. There was a single moment of doubt from our Savior's parched lips when he wailed, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Doubt. Doubt that God was there beside him in his greatest moment of need a fear of being abandoned in this pain. We know this doubt. Doubt that we have felt in the loss of a child, a parent, a partner, or a relationship. Doubt and fear that we are alone in our greatest pain. Were you there, God? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Where were you, God? 
How did this happen if you were there? On the cross, Jesus' doubt and his fear intersected, but it becomes our faith. We can connect the essence, to the essence of God made flesh in that very moment because there was no moment when Jesus was more human. Days later, outside the tomb and behind locked doors, we learn of the disciples' reaction to the crucifixion. We know that Mary was at the foot of the cross, just having washed the broken body and was grieving at the empty tomb, puzzled by the enormous rock set aside and mystified by the loss of her Savior's body, and then addressed by angels, and then spoken to by a risen Christ she mistook as the gardener, Mary, the last to touch and the first to see, is a beacon of faith and courage. She trusts all of these anomalies she has just experienced and now is charged with the responsibility to tell the men who are hiding and fearful of their own persecution. She tells them that Jesus is back. The fear is real. These are not the days of Easter lilies and rejoicing that Easter has come to mean for us. There is inherent risk in what she experiences and knows, and a great risk that she will not be believed. Likely, the gathered disciples would doubt her. But Jesus knows this, and then appears at the house where they are hiding, because Jesus knows that seeing is believing, because he was human. Too bad Thomas wasn't there. The others had the fortune of seeing with their own eyes and hearing with their own ears. Christ has come again. Is it really so shameful that Thomas doubted, given what he had witnessed the last 10 days? Let's recap. A Palm Sunday parade of mockery, weak political leaders, swayed mobs, freed criminals, and a crucified friend that did not free himself from the cross, and now an empty tomb. There has not been an ounce of goodness, hope, or encouragement in the circumstances of Jesus' death, and now he is told Jesus is walking around making visits to the bereaved? Sounds like his friends might have gotten into the old wineskins and emptied them. Given everything that's unfolded, I'm thinking Thomas appears to be the most sane. Is there really anything believable about what the disciples are telling him? And remember, he knows these guys really well. They were a crew who needed a lot of repetitive, experiential, hands-on teaching. I'll stand with Thomas in his doubt because his doubt is grounded in his experience of being defeated, ridiculed, and witnessing the murder of an innocent man. 
Maybe we should call him Reasonable Thomas. Reasonable Thomas, his doubts just make him human. The mystery of the resurrection is not reasonable or particularly plausible. Thank God. Thank God that God knows his people. God knew Thomas and all of the other disciples, that their doubts would only be extinguished by seeing and touching Jesus. Perhaps this is why Jesus offers the blessing for those who believe without seeing, that it is a blessing for the generations to come, a blessing for us, those who will have our doubts but we'll never get to touch or see. Perhaps we are the recipients of Jesus' blessing in anticipation of our doubt. Jesus extended this blessing to you. Our faith, strong enough to allow doubt to flow through it, is blessed by the risen Christ who knew we needed affirmation. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you for being reasonable and human. Through you and your vulnerabilities and your needs for touch and sight, we, the generations to come, are granted a direct blessing from Jesus in our moments of doubt. After Christ's death, the early days of perpetuation perpetuating his ministry, took courage and trust. The disciples had to trust each other, trust Jesus, that the Holy Spirit he breathed upon him, on them, would be enough. The world to come would not get to see the teacher that they had known. Now the cross becomes an intersection of courage and trust that creates hope. We are the descendants of that hope created in those first days of everlasting life that was walking amongst the living. Doubt is part of the faith journey, but it is not the final destination. Hope is what will carry us. When we are filled with doubt, when life arrives, we may doubt our ability to get through these darkest days. The weight of our cross may just bring us to our knees. We'll drop our heads and close our eyes in despair. How are we going to get through this darkness of the cross we bear? We get to claim the story of Christ as our own. While we may have moments that we doubt God, God will never doubt us. When our hope and our faith intersect, they will meet in the middle, and we will find the endless love of God, because love is found at the center of every cross that we carry. Amen.